Mindfulness Mode 489. He was walking down a little trail, singing and dancing and celebrating, which he always did. And some bandits came along. Reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness right here on Mindfulness Mode with me, your host and Mindfulness Life Coach, Bruce Lankford. Mindful Tribe, we're in for a treat today because today we're going to be talking about peace. And we're going to be talking about peace with the person who has been focused on peace for practically his whole life. I'm very excited to have James Twyman with me today. James, are you in mindfulness mode today? I am certainly in mindfulness mode, and I'm so happy to be able to share that here in your program. Yeah, well, I am so excited uh, to have you on the show because you have really set wonderful examples in the world when it comes to peace and your desire to make the world a more peaceful place. Now, James, I'd like to share with Mindful Tribe a little bit more about you and who Great. you are. James Twyman is also known globally as the Peace Troubadour. For over 20 years, he's traveled to countries at war to share the prayers of peace from the 12 major religions of the world. And he's put this to music back in 1994. He's been invited by peace organizers, organizations and even the leaders of countries such as Bosnia, Iraq, Northern Ireland, South Africa, and Syria to initiate world-synchronized meditations even while battles raged around him. And he's recently written this book called Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis. And I've totally enjoyed this book. And he's also written a musical, which he's going to be touring with this musical soon and performing it on Broadway soon as well. So, James, it's really exciting to have you here. What does mindfulness mean to you? Being centered, being aware, and being awake, and feeling, not just thinking, but feeling that experience that our souls are calling us all to. Because at the very center of our being is that longing to know, to remember, to share. And when we are just present in this moment, not trying to do or get anything, but just to be who we are and then to extend who we are. What else could we be but fully mindful? And, you know, they, there are lots of words that we could use for that. Mindfulness is a good one. Uh, but to me, it always comes to the experience. People try to, to understand things or to figure these things out. I always say, let it figure you out. Just surrender and let it figure you out. Don't try and get it. Let it get you. And that's what happens when you become mindful. It's surrendering and it's trusting. And you know, all the words in the universe can be used, but it really comes down to that simple experience, just opening and allowing to remember and to know who we've always been, who we can't stop being, and then to share that with everyone that we meet. And you've written 16 books. And I wonder, when did you first learn how to surrender? How did When did you first feel to yourself that, wow, I've really learned how to let go now? 
Well, I remember in 1995, it was the first time I traveled into a country where there was a war, and that was in Croatia and Bosnia and the whole Balkan region. And while I was there, I was brought up into the mountains to be with a community of mystics known as the Emissaries of Light. This is a community that they claim to have has existed for a couple thousand years, but in, always in places like this where the energy was darkest. And they would come together every night around this 12-spoked wheel, and they would meditate for 12 hours every night doing what they call the extension of divine light. And I was able to participate and be with them in that. And one of the things that I learned from them, they, they said all spiritual paths can be brought down into three essential experiences in this order, surrender, trust, and gratitude. But it always begins with surrender, which is my willingness to understand that I don't know in and of my own limited personality. I can't know. But if I surrender into a divine knowing that's within me, my soul, in other words, when I surrender and let go into that and then trust that to know that it can guide me in ways that I could never guide myself. And then this state of gratitude takes over where I'm grateful for everything, no matter what. But it always begins with surrender. So it was when I was in uh, that community there on the border between um, between Croatia and Bosnia, which I wrote my first book about, Emissary of Light. Uh, that's really where that I realized how important that whole experience of surrendering really is. What prompted you to go there to Bosnia, that first trip? What moved you to do that? Well, so I'll back up a little bit and say in 1986, uh, for the first time in history, the leaders of the 12 major religions of the world were called together. It was a meeting that was organized by Pope John Paul II. They were called together in, of all places, Assisi, Italy, the home of St. Francis, who we'll talk about in a few minutes. And the reason why they were called to Assisi is because Francis was the first interreligious peacemaker. In fact, I'll tell you quickly why because this is the 800th anniversary of this story, one of my favorite St. Francis stories. At that time, the Crusades were raging out of control, and the leader of the uh, Muslim force was named the Sultan al-Kamil of Egypt. And the Sultan al-Kamil once said that he would give a Byzantine gold coin to any Muslim that brought him the head of a Christian. That's how serious things were. And when Francis heard this, this is the kind of radical he was. He said, okay, I'm going. I've got to talk to this guy. And everyone said, including the Pope, you can't go because you'll be captured and tortured and killed. And he said, it doesn't matter. I need to try. I need to share with him this love. And he, he went and, of course, immediately, along with his brother Illuminato, they were captured, they were tortured, and they were sentenced to die. And there they were in prison, celebrating and laughing and dancing around to the point that the sultan was very confused. Who are these people and why are they so happy about this? What, what is this joy that they're experiencing? And so he gave Francis an audience, presumably right before his execution. And no one knows quite what happened, but we do know that the sultan was so moved that he gave him a gift. First of all, he let them live and he gave them the gift of an ivory horn which was the symbol of the Sultan's protection, giving him the permission to travel anywhere he wanted in the Muslim territory, sharing this message of love. 
So that's why Francis was the first interreligious peacemaker. And that's why the Pope called all of these leaders to Assisi in 1986. And each of them, like the Dalai Lama, and they all brought the, the peace prayer from their religion. Well, a few years later, uh, a friend of mine uh, gave me a sheet of paper that had those prayers that were prayed in Assisi. This was in 1994, as you mentioned. And I had this beautiful experience, unlike anything I'd ever known before, where I just began to to sing each one of the prayers. I picked up my guitar and played along with this music I was hearing. And one by one, those 12 prayers were written. And within one hour, I'd put all 12 of them to music. And I decided at that moment that I just wanted to be a penniless troubadour, like St. Francis, traveling around the world, sharing these prayers. And that's when I thought, well, I should be willing to go to where peace is needed. People were calling me the peace troubadour. And I thought, well, where peace is needed right now is Croatia and Bosnia and the whole Balkan region. So I, I wrote letters to every peace organization in the whole Balkan region and invited them to invite me. And <laughs> one of them did in Croatia. And that's how that adventure began. It just was my willingness to, to go there to share these prayers of peace and to demonstrate that it doesn't matter, you know, the ideology, the, the all of the things that seem to separate, they're not nearly as important as that which unites us. And I've had that experience, of course, in so many places, as I've traveled to Iraq at the invitation of Saddam Hussein, or not very long ago, I was on a hill looking down into a Syrian village held by ISIS with rabbis and ministers and priests and imams and maybe about 100 people as we sang peace songs into the village. And uh, I, I think it was because of that that I got the best PR I've ever received, which is when Bill Maher called me the idiot folk singer from Portland. And I'll <laughs> take that every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So what was the outcome of that first experience in Bosnia? What, what happened as a result of that? Well, for me personally, I, I came back home after that, having had this profound experience, not knowing what to do with it. And I just said, well, I've got to write it down somehow. I need to share this. And I'd never written a book. I didn't know what to do, but I, I sat down in a computer and within two weeks, I wrote the whole story. Wow. And yeah. And I, once again, I didn't know what to do with, with a book. I, do I get an agent? Do I just send it to publishers? And I was in a bookstore uh, in, I was in Boston, outside Boston in Quincy, Massachusetts. And we, I was in the bookstore just talking about this with a friend as we walked through the bookstore. And the woman behind the counter overheard the conversation and asked me more about the book. And she said, well, uh, my best friend's an agent, and I think she'll love this. So to make a long story very short, it took me two weeks to write the book. It took her one day to sell it. So within two weeks and like two days, I had written and sold my first book, and it ultimately got bought by Timer, by, by Warner Books and became a bestseller. Uh, but it just goes to show what happens when you just follow the prompts, follow those breadcrumbs of peace. And, and that is what, of course, has led me to travel to so many other countries and to sponsor these prayer vigils and meditations in which millions of people have participated. And now you're going to be traveling in the United States, and I know that you're going to be traveling penniless, as St. Francis did. Uh, what will that be like? Will you, where will you 
Uh, I mean, will you be traveling on foot then? Is that what that means? Partly. Um, first of all, I, I wrote the book that you mentioned, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis. And I love that book. It's one of my favorites that I've written, but it's a novel. So I didn't really know how to go on a book tour with it. And so I, I had a very big book tour planned in March and April of this last year. And so I had the feeling, well, actually, I'll tell you how it was inspired. Bruce Springsteen inspired this musical, of, of all people, because Bruce had done a, a one-man musical on Broadway called Springsteen on Broadway. And I loved it. And I was watching it thinking, St. Francis could do this. What if St. Francis came back 800 years and just shared the stories of his life and sang the songs that illustrate them? And so I sat down and began writing out this musical. And I had so much fun and the music, and it was some of the best music I'd ever written. And I, I did it many times on the book tour, uh, and then received this invitation to come to Broadway to do it for two weeks in February. And so I decided that I wanted to do this in a unique way. I wanted to do it as close to St. Francis as possible. That doesn't mean flying to New York and getting a, an apartment. That meant traveling across the country penniless doing the musical in many different places along the way, relying completely on the generosity of others to get from place to place, to eat, to sleep. Uh, so you talk about surrender. This is going to be the ultimate act of surrender. Um, so we're not going to be walking probably that much. We'll accept rides from people. Maybe we'll hitchhike some of the time. People can buy us bus tickets or train tickets, but not flights. We, we have to stay on the ground like St. Francis would have. And just trust that everything's going to show up. Um, and so, by the way, people can, if they want, they can go to um, our website for the musical, which is stfrancismusical.com. And saint is S-T. So just stfrancismusical.com. You can look at the schedule. Uh, we're starting up in Portland, going down to Santa Barbara, then straight across. You can also see the first 20 minutes of the musical there, which we recorded recently in Assisi in Italy. And uh, when we get to New York, we're also going to be doing something really fresh and unique. I don't think any Broadway show has ever invited the homeless to join us. So we're going to be spending the days on the streets, working with the homeless, passing out free tickets to the musical and inviting them to come and be our guests. We're going to have a meal for them as they come in. And this is what Francis would have done. He, his whole focus was to bring people together, everyone, especially those who are most disenfranchised. And the first thing he did when he had his big conversion was he went and he joined the lepers outside of Assisi. And today's lepers are the homeless people on the street. So that's who we're going to be reaching out to. It's going to be an adventure. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen? All I know is we have to get from point A to point B. And how we do that and who helps us, we'll wait and see how that falls together. Well, it sounds absolutely fascinating, and I and I think that it's so interesting. You've been doing so much work in your life with peace. When does your character, James Twyman, and the character of St. Francis converge? Mm -hmm. Because you are presenting this as St. Francis right. in the musical. You are St. Francis. You must somehow feel like St. Francis That's in right. a way. Is that That's true? a very big part of this. I'm glad you asked because the, the moment I, I put on that habit in Portland, Oregon on, July, on January 4th and do the first event, 
I will enter into the character of Francis and do my best to stay in character for that whole two months, much as a method actor who is shooting a movie would do. Uh, take Daniel Day-Lewis, who I love. When, when he played Lincoln in Spielberg's film, for the eight or nine months or whatever it took to shoot that, he never left character. Every night, his wife slept with Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I even heard, I don't know if this is true, but I heard that when he finished playing the part and they rapped, uh, that it took him about three days to get his Irish accent back. That's really? how deep he would go. And so for me, it's the same thing. I want to go deep into Francis, to travel and to think as Francis would. And we'll see how I end up at the end, but it's kind of an experiment really, because Francis only had really one goal. And that goal was to imitate Jesus, to do what Jesus said, revolutionary. And so he spent his whole life doing that. So I'm gonna be in a way imitating the imitator, but it leads to the same place which is the realization that I am that already. You know, whatever you want to call it, Buddha consciousness, Christ consciousness, it doesn't matter, but it's already here. I just need to unlock those doors. And, and Francis was one who did unlock those doors 800 years ago. And it's needed so much today. I'm sure we can all agree. In fact, I'll share one more thing that inspired me in writing this musical. It was a quote that I heard that I'd never heard before because you know, I've been into Francis my whole life. When I was 18, I became a Franciscan and ultimately left, but I've always loved him and his example, but I had never heard this quote. And I'll, I'll share a paraphrased version and see if you can guess who said this. Someone very unlikely. He said, the revolution we started failed. It created more atrocities than it solved. What we really needed were 10 St. Francis of Assisi's. Who do you think might have said that? I'm not sure. Your guess is he's in the 20th century, he in the 20th century. Maybe someone, Gandhi, someone like you'd imagine someone right, like that, right. right? Yes, yes. Well, or John Lennon, maybe. Well, uh -huh. not John Lennon, but Vladimir Lenin said that. Uh -huh. The architect of the Russian Revolution, who was an atheist, who recognized in Francis something unique that changed the world 800 years ago. You know, people don't realize that Francis lived at the very end of the uh, Dark Ages, but he was a major inspiration for the age that came next, which we call the Renaissance. And today we live in a kind of Dark Age. But I believe that, as Lenin said, if there were even 10 people who were as dedicated to peace as Francis was 800 years ago, things could change. We could initiate a new renaissance. When I heard that, I said, okay, I'll be number 10. Who are the other nine? Let's, let's join together and change the world from the inside out, not politically, not socially, but by demonstrating that this is possible. Well, it was incredible reading the book, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, because it was just, it just took you right there. It took you right there into, the, you, you shared so many parables and stories of St. Francis, and you made it, it just come alive walking that road. How many times have you walked the road to Assisi? The Camino of St. Francis, for anyone who's, who's not familiar with that, maybe you're familiar with the Camino de Santiago, which many people walk. Right. There are many Caminos, uh, even in Europe, and one of them follows the small paths and roads that Francis would have walked 800 years ago, going from town to town. And I've walked 
it now, let me think, one, two, three, four times, um, coming up on my fifth in uh, May. And the first time I walked this, no, one more, it was five times, uh, because I once walked from Assisi all the way to Rome. And the first time I walked from the monastery of Laverna, which is the route that cover, that's covered in the book, from Laverna to Assisi, which is about 110 miles, as I walked, I began imagining this story about this woman named Anna, who had had a really difficult time in her life and um, very strangely decides to go to Italy, which is her home country, but she hasn't been there in 45 years, decides to go back and walk this Camino. And she doesn't believe in God. She doesn't want to hear about St. Francis, but she meets this young Italian guy named Giovanni who can't stop talking about either. And they become Camino partners. And slowly through his example, her heart begins to melt and she comes home. And I played with this story for a number of years before I finally sat down to write it, mainly because I had said, I'm not going to write another book. I'd written 15 at that point, And I just didn't feel like I had anything to say. But this story kept knocking at my heart. And I finally had to sit down and begin writing. So I did. And it, the, the most fun part for me was the fact that I knew how it began and I knew how it ended, but I didn't know anything in the middle. And so I would just sit down and imagine Anna and Giovanni walking uh, and then just let spirit guide me into the story. And it, so it was as fun for me to write as it is for the reader to read. Uh, but I do love this story. Um, I've heard from so many people who are really enjoying it. Uh, so, yeah, that's how the Camino of Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis came about. Yeah, and I loved it, too. It was, it was just beautiful and, and beautiful how you shared different things like how the pain that they were feeling was really a blessing, which is the way that uh, St. Francis looked at life and so many ways that he looked at life that you you made them come alive through Giovanni. And then at the end, pieces came together, it seemed, because, you know, it turned out that... Hold on, um, don't give it away. I won't give it away, <laughs> but just what I was going to say is... A big surprise was, ending. <laughs> it was a surprise ending, and it was very rewarding, I would say, to, um, to enjoy how everything kind of came together. And... So I, I think that he was such a fascinating character. Have you been studying him? You said since about 18, he started to be somebody. Oh, yeah, most of my life. I, I'd written another book about Francis. Actually, um, the journey that Francis took to meet the Sultan. I wrote that book at least 20 years ago. And But yes, you know, there's a saying, once a Franciscan, always a Franciscan. And he takes hold of you. I actually recently took vows, um, private vows, as a Franciscan hermit, uh, which is kind of a joke because I long to live a life of solitude, just as Francis did, but just as Francis was, I keep getting pulled back because I get excited about these things. I want to go to Broadway, I want to share this story, and instead of sitting up here in my room, my little hermitage, uh, because I, I live in a town called Ajijic, Mexico, where we have a community of about 40 people who live here. And we come together every day. And I get so excited about the sharing in these projects. And 
so I'm trying to be a hermit, but I'm not a very good one. Uh, but <laughs> Francis keeps calling me back as he did since I was 18. And, and you know, funny, funny, strangely enough, recently I had a conversation with a Franciscan priest named Pat Greeno, Father Pat Greeno, who lives in Illinois. And Pat and I entered the order on the same day back in 1980. And he stayed and he's now a wonderful priest. And he found the book Giovanni and contacted me and we hadn't talked in decades. And at one point I said, you know, I wonder what my life would have been like if I stayed in the order. He said, you never would have made it. <laughs> Because, and I think he's right, because I get, it's important for me to be a free agent. I, I need to follow where I'm guided, where Francis guides me, where the Holy Spirit guides me, where life guides me. And that's where I find my passion. Whereas if you're in an order, taking a, a vow of obedience, that may not be so easy. Right. So I, I think I made the right choice, but I'm as Franciscan today, maybe even more so than I ever was. Because that story of Francis just keeps grabbing hold of me and compelling me to keep moving forward. Have you always been a musician? Pretty much. Uh, most of my life, I've been a musician. But in 1994, when I had that experience with the Peace Prayers, I had never had anything like that happen before. And Well, it's, it's fascinating to just see you in some of the clips where, you know, you, you're sharing some of the songs. Would you share a song with us now? From, sure. from this yeah. musical. That would be exciting. Have my little, as I was sharing with you before we started the interview, this is a uh, Venezuelan cuatro. And it's, I just love this instrument. And I'm going to be going on tour with this. So I'm feeling a song right now, which is a happy song. And it's called Be Like a Child Today. And I think this really captures that childlike spirit of St. Francis. child today don't overcomplicate what is simple oh so simple love's power in you is strong you don't need to wait so long it's simple yes so simple I do believe that you can finally see what I tried to get you to understand. It isn't hard to see what has always been true. If you take my hand, just take my hand. Be like a child day. Don't need to throw away what's simple. Yes, so simple. I've tried so many times, but it was all just in my mind. It was simple. Oh, so simple. The simple boy just never hesitate to offer the love you feel inside. That's the only way to never complicate and to keep your heart, your heart open wide. Be like a child today, you don't need to throw away what's simple. 
Here's what I'm telling you That love alone is true It is simple Yeah, so simple Whoa, whoa. Oh, Love is simple Love is simple Thanks for sharing that, James. That's great. Thank you very much. And you must be excited about performing on Broadway. What's that going to be like? Well, I am very excited. I mean, how could you not be? Uh, we're going to be, there's a church called the Church in the Village that also serves as a, as a theater. And so we're going to be there for two weeks from uh, February 20th to March 1st, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday of both of those weeks. And as I said before, we're going to be not only bringing people in who want to come and pay to play the, to see the show, but inviting the people that Francis would have embraced, the homeless, the people on the street, feeding them. In fact, everyone's going to join together in the meal. Um, my friend Bill Free and I, Bill will be traveling with me. We're going to be as much as possible staying with the homeless in each city. Once again, the, the whole idea is to enter into the experience of Francis, who gave everything who was willing to become small so that the love could become great within him. So we're going to be living as closely as we can to that the entire two months. And when we get to New York, uh, hopefully people who are watching this will come and join us or in any of the other cities. Once again, just go to stfrancismusical.com, stfrancismusical.com, and you can see if we're coming to a city near you. We would love to see you there. And are there still tickets available for Oh, the yes. Broadway? In fact, in most cases, in New York especially, it's just at the door. You don't even have to get an advanced ticket. It's a pretty big place, so I'm sure we'll, we'll have room for everybody. Right. Wow, that's so exciting. Have you ever traveled this way before? No. Uh, no? This is a first for you? Yeah, I've done a lot of things before. You know, I remember back when I was 21, I believe, I, um, I hitchhiked. Oh, at that time, I, I wanted to rejoin another Franciscan community in Arkansas, and I was with my family in Minnesota, so I snuck away and decided I'm going to hitchhike all the way down to Arkansas and join this community because I loved what they were doing. And I got about halfway to central Missouri and got mugged, and it turned out I was about 20 miles from my grandma's house, so she came and got me. Mm. But I don't think anyone's going to mug St. Francis himself. That would be very bad karma. <laughs> it definitely would be bad karma, that's for sure. That's for sure. Well, I want to uh, talk about the topic of bullying, because that's something I always ask on my show. Mm -hmm. And I want to ask if you were ever bullied, and if maybe you have a story, or maybe from St. Francis' perspective. If you have a story about how mindfulness maybe would affect how you would deal with it. Well, yes, I was very much bullied when I was young, you know, in middle school, especially. That's a tough time for boys. Yes. Because, you know, girls will torture each other psychologically, but boys torture each other physically. So I got beat up a lot and I was small. I was very creative and musical. So, yeah. Uh, and what I always tried to do was well, what I learned to do was to to simply be calm and peaceful. And in most cases, it would end. Uh, if, if I didn't resist, if I didn't fight back and just held that space of mindfulness, 
And it reminds me of a story of St. Francis. Not long after his conversion, he was walking down a little trail, singing and dancing and celebrating, which he always did. And some bandits came along and asked him, uh, you know, tried to rob him, tried to take his money. And, and, and he said, I am the herald of the great king. What need do I have of money? And they thought that was pretty funny. So they beat him up and threw him to a ditch and walked away. And Francis just got back up and kept singing and dancing and didn't, didn't phase them at all. Uh, and I, I think that's the key. In, I mean, obviously, it's, it's a big problem, but we're, we're not going to solve any problem. I mean, bullying is a big thing in the world right now, isn't it? And, and in our is. particular country, bullying seems to be the, the, the way that we handle economic and political issues today. And I don't think very many of us are for that. But the question is, are, are we going to fight back? Well, there are other ways of doing it. Take Gandhi or Dr. Martin Luther King. They changed the world not by fighting back. They did resist, but they, resist, they resisted peacefully with love and with compassion. Gandhi always said that nonviolence begins by having compassion for the people who are creating the violence. So I think, you know, they're great examples of how we can turn it around personally and globally. Yeah, yeah, I think that it's a wonderful thing that you're doing. I think this is fantastic. And uh, I would encourage you, Mindful Tribe, to get your hands on the book because it is just so refreshing. It's so beautiful to read this book, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis. And like we said, it is a novel. And it's just, it's just beautiful. And it's beautiful from the perspective of mindfulness. Mm. You know, it really is because St. Francis was really the ultimate when it comes to mindfulness, wasn't he? He was, yeah. Yeah. And you really, mindfulness ultimately is having a single goal. And that goal, in however you describe it, comes down to peace, to experience deep peace within us and then to extend that into the world. The problem is we tend to have many goals. We have many desires, many things that we want based upon what we think we need. The truth is we need nothing. And when we're mindful and hold still long enough to feel that, then it gets very simple. And we realize that when we seek as Jesus would say, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else is given to us. But we seek only after that experience of peace. Everything else we need comes to us. Most of all, we find that peace through the practice of mindfulness. Yeah, yeah, it was just beautiful reading that book. And it's beautiful hearing you tell us about it from your own words. So thanks so much. As we move on in the interview, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So mm -hmm. just 30 second answers would be perfect. The first one is this, who is one person who has inspired mindfulness in your life? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm going to say the first person that comes into my mind. Uh, and, and that is a, a Franciscan priest. There's a very dear friend of mine named Father Larry Goslin who is a uh, Franciscan in California, one of the most uh, mindful and holy people I know. He actually just walked, I'm gonna ask people to send prayers to him because we just finished walking about a month and a half ago, the Camino with the group. Larry came with me at, he's still in Rome because he had to have triple bypass surgery. But, oh, wow. <laughs> but he's doing it so mindfully and now, I mean, of course, he's just all over Rome having a great time. 
But he is someone who is so present and so loving and so real that he's the first person that comes into my mind, Father Larry Gosselin from California, Santa Barbara. Mm, thank you. Uh, how has mindfulness affected your emotions? Well, when you're mindful, uh, I, I call it being happy no matter what. Even when I'm challenged, even when I'm, it seems like I'm having to work through some stuff, the, the baseline of my joy is very high. It's like a pool that fills up with water. Like you, you can enter the pool when there's no water and you're at the bottom. Or when the water is near the top, when you enter in, you're always at the very top of where the water is. And that's where my joy is. Even when I have to go through issues or whatever I have to go through, my joy is, already, is always there. So mindfulness has let me be happy no matter what. Awesome. That's great. And let's talk about breathing. How is breathing a part of your mindfulness oh, practice? Oh, goodness. Well, I'm, uh, it's a big part, especially right now. I'm, I'm working on a whole process that, that involves uh, deep breathing, holotropic breathing, uh, with a recording that I did a number of years ago with Dr. Wayne Dyer. Uh, the recording is called the I Am Wishes Fulfilled Meditation. It's literally the sound of the name of God. And when you breathe with this sound, it opens up channels that we never even knew were there. So right now, breathing is a very important part of my process. Awesome. Is there a book other than this book, Giovanni and the Camino of St. Francis, that you could recommend that's related to mindfulness? A Course in Miracles. I've been a Course in Miracles student for over 25 years. When I found the course, it was, uh, it was the most amazing gift of my life. In fact, I'll tell you one really quick story about it. You know how you get really excited when you find something that really moves you? And, and I'm not going to say A Course in Miracles is for everyone, but for, for a lot of people, it, it's the highest level. And for me, it certainly was. And when I first got involved in it 25 years ago, I, I called up a Franciscan that I'd known when I was in the order, thinking Father Pius would probably be the most open to this of any of the priests that I know. And as I'm talking to him on the phone, getting ready to tell him about this, he says, Jimmy, I want to tell you about a book that I found that I've been reading from the pulpit, but I cover it with paper because I don't want anyone to know what it is because I know they're going to have judgment about it. But afterwards, everyone comes up and says, what was that book? That was amazing. I said, Pius, what is the book? He said, a book called A Course in Miracles. I thought, you're not going to believe this. I was just getting ready to tell you about A Course in Miracles. So that has been kind of my own personal reference. So um, that's what I always tell people. Check it out. See if it works for you. Oh, that's great. That's great. And thanks for the recommendation. Are there any apps which you recommend or any apps which you use that can help with mindfulness? Oh, goodness. You know, I, I just bought, they're over here on the couch, um, virtual reality glasses. Okay. The Oculus glasses. Oh, my goodness. They are amazing. There's so, there's so many great mindful meditation apps on there. But I just came across one a few days ago that I love and recommend. It's called Trip. T-R-I-P-P. And you can see it on trip.com. Uh, but they just put the most beautiful interactive meditations that using the VR glasses is happening. It's like you're there. So that was, that's what I would recommend, trip. 
Well, thanks for recommending that. It's been so fantastic having you on the show. And I take it people still call you Jimmy. Is that right? You used to go by that. Do you still? Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to switch over to my actual name, which is James Francis, because I've always been James F. Twyman. And especially now, as I embrace this experience, I'm, but even I forget. So I, I even refer to myself as Jimmy, but I'm yeah. trying to switch over to James Francis. <laughs> well, James, it's a real honor to have you on the show, and it would be an honor to see one of your presentations. I'm in Canada. Are you bringing the show into Canada at all? I would love to. I, I'm hoping, where in Canada are you? Uh, near Toronto. Yeah, I've, I've done many things in Toronto, and I know at some point I'm going to come and maybe I'll do this cross-country trip across Canada as well. Well, if you do, I'd love to catch the show because it would be so much fun to see you and Thank to hear you. I'd you. love to come there. Thank you. Well, thanks again for being on the show and all the best to you with this tour. Thank you so much for having me here. You're welcome. Bye now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining us today on Mindfulness Mode. For show notes for every episode, check out mindfulnessmode.com and type the guest's name or the episode number into the search bar. You can also go mindfulnessmode.com slash whatever episode number you like. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you could help us out by subscribing to Mindfulness Mode wherever you listen, whether it's on iTunes or Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, so many places you can hear Mindfulness Mode. As a thank you for listening, I have a free guided meditation for you called Waves of Content. It will help you relax and feel calm. Just go to mindfulnessmode.com forward slash waves of content. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.